I'm Pastor John Peterson. I'm Pastor Luke Ulrich. And I'm Vicar Jacob Kempfert. The Mount Olive Mankato podcast is your weekly message of peace with God through Jesus Christ. We welcome you to join us on Sundays in Mankato to experience the friendship of our congregation and Christ's love. For service times or to learn more about Mount Olive, visit us at mountolivelutheran.org. That's mtolivelutheran.org. And now it's time for your weekly message of peace with God through Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The text for our meditation this morning is recorded in the gospel lesson, which we already heard, but we will consider select verses from that gospel lesson. Please rise as we hear as follows in Jesus' name. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Let us pray. Grant us, dear Lord, some vision brief of future triumph telling, gilding with hope our night of grief, our clouds of fear dispelling. If the dim foretaste was so bright, or what shall be the dazzling light of thine eternal dwelling? O Lord, our hearts awaken to know and love thee more, in faith to stand unshaken, in spirit to adore, that we, still heavenward hasting, yet hear thy joy foretasting, may reap its fullness there. Amen. Please be seated. My dear fellow redeemed and raised disciples of Christ, our Lord. Simon Peter just can't seem to get anything right. In the Gospels, he's often seen saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, acting without thinking, leaping without looking. He's kind of like the opposite of the legendary King Midas. If you remember King Midas of the myth, everything that he touched turned into gold. Well, Simon Peter, everything that he touched turns into coal dust and blows up in his face. I think Simon Peter realized this about himself because the very first miracle of Jesus that he witnesses, the miraculous catch of fish when he and Andrew and also James and John are out on the lake and Jesus gives them a catch of fish so great that both of their boats start to sink under the water because of its weight. He sees this miracle and he realizes he is standing before a divine man, a divine man of God, a holy man. And he starts to tremble and he cowers in his fearfulness of his own sin, his own failings. And he begs of Jesus, depart from me, O Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. And while it's true that Simon Peter was sinful, as we all are, I think this command that Jesus depart from him, I think it reveals that Peter had absolutely no idea who Jesus really was why he was there, what he was doing, what his purpose was, why he revealed his divine glory in this miracle in the first place. And in a similar fashion, just a week before the transfiguration of our text this morning, Simon Peter shows he can't comprehend 
Jesus' words that he's saying or the actions that Jesus is doing. And yet, even though he can't comprehend it, yet still he has to talk. Still he has to speak without knowing what he's talking about. Because a week before the transfiguration, he's telling Jesus, don't go down to Jerusalem like you say you're planning on doing. Don't suffer down there in Jerusalem like you've been talking about recently. Certainly don't die down in Jerusalem. Why is that necessary? Forget about Jerusalem, Lord. Forget about the cross. He's saying, far be it from you, Lord. That's exactly what he says. Far be it from you, Lord. He scolds Jesus. Far be it from you. This shall not happen to you. So then a week later, Jesus calls Peter aside, along with James and John, three disciples who witnessed that first miraculous catch of fish. He calls them aside alone, privately, up to this lonely mountain, this holy mountain. And there, he doesn't just show them a sign of his divine glory. He shows them divine glory. His divinity, his divine nature shows through it, transfigures him, and they see his uncreated glory. And there alongside of Jesus stands Moses, the representative of the law, and Elijah, the representative of the prophets. And Moses is there who died and was buried by the hand of God himself, and whose grave was hid by God, so no one knew where he was buried. But now, clearly, he's risen from the dead and resurrected glory, reflecting the glory of the ever-living God. And Elijah's there, and Elijah, who did not suffer bodily death, but was taken up, whirlwinded up to heaven. He descends from heaven in his heavenly glory, reflecting the glory of the ever-living God. And Matthew doesn't even tell us what they're talking about. He says they're talking with Jesus, but we don't know what they're actually talking about. But thankfully, Luke does. In the Gospel of Luke, we read that Moses and Elijah talked to Jesus about his departure, his upcoming suffering and death on the cross in Jerusalem. And so Peter sees this happening. He sees Jesus and Moses and Elijah there, even though he can't even comprehend what's going on or why it's happening. He hears what they're talking about. He hears the conversation going on, though he has absolutely no clue what they're saying. We know he can't understand Jesus' glory because he didn't understand the miraculous catch of fish. We know he can't understand Jesus' cross because he, a week ago he was telling Jesus, don't go to the cross. So we, have, we know he has no idea what's going on, and so, of course, he interrupts. How about this? I have an idea. How about this, Lord? How about I build you three shelters, three tents? You, Moses, Elijah, you are here in your glory. This is awesome. We can let this glory last. We can bask in it. You don't have to go to Jerusalem. We can stay here. It's good that I'm here, Lord. It's good that James and John are here. Because we can build you these shelters. You can stay here, all three of you. We can serve you. We can wait on you. You can be comfy and cozy. We'll all be comfy and cozy in this miraculous glory. How about this? Forget about the cross. It's not necessary. Forget about the cross. I have a better idea. I have a better way to handle things, Lord. So even though Simon Peter does things without thinking, even though 
while he's the chief disciple, yet he's still constantly trying to do everything outside of, apart from, and even contrary to the purpose of Christ. Even though Simon Peter can't seem to do anything right, yet not a single one of us can judge him for it. Forget about the cross, Lord. I have something better. I have a better way to handle things, Lord. In our fear, in our confusion of our lives, in times of our suffering, which one of us can say we would hold up any better than Simon Peter? And if we interrupt Christ's cross of salvation with our own plans for our own comfort, our own security, our, our own fearlessness, then we shouldn't be surprised when we are so often left insecure, uncomfortable, fearful, and confused. If we interrupt the cross of Jesus with our own brilliant ideas, our own plans, then we shouldn't be surprised when God interrupts us with a cross of our own to return us back to that cross of Christ. Martin Luther once said in a passing remark that God and the devil take opposite tactics when it comes to fear. The devil likes to puff us up. He likes to give us confidence. He likes to make us fearless. He likes to make us fearless in our pride at handling every situation. He likes to make us confident in our sins. And he gives Judas as a good example of this. Because then, when we're at full confidence, when the moment of fear does come, it takes us completely by surprise, and we are left overwhelmed and in despair and dread. But God, God will sometimes give us situations. He'll sometimes put us into places in our lives or put things into our lives that may make us afraid. They may cause us confusion and make us feel fear because then he can point us back to the one place that will take away those fears, that will clear up that confusion. God allows us to be in situations where we are afraid at times so that we learn to turn back to him alone for strength and comfort, that we learn to take that fear exactly to the one place where it belongs, to the cross of Christ. That's exactly what God does for St. Peter here. Peter interrupts Moses and Elijah and Jesus. They're talking about the cross, and he interrupts them with his own ideas. And God interrupts Simon Peter by pointing him to the cross. While Peter was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Hear him. Listen to Jesus. Everything that you touch keeps blowing up in your face, so stop trying to handle the glory of God. Stop trying to ignore the cross or avoid it or substitute some better solution. And let the cross of Christ come to you so that you can see what that cross does for you and does to you.
by listening to Jesus. Now, the law in our hearts wants to take this, hear him, listen to him, as a command. Obey him. Do this. Don't do that. Be a good Christian and you won't be afraid. Nonsense! Because if we take this as a command of the law, we will always be confused, we'll always be anxious, we'll always be afraid of why Jesus would command us to not be afraid, and yet we so often always are afraid. The demands of the law can only condemn us, so this cannot be a command of the law. The only thing listening to Jesus can be is an invitation to receive the forgiveness of the gospel. Because on that holy mount of transfiguration, when God the Father says from heaven, listen to him, my beloved son, the very next words out of Jesus' mouth, the very first words the disciples hear as they still lie paralyzed, death-locked in their frozen fear are, arise, don't be afraid. Arise. Now this word here, arise, it doesn't mean stand up, pick yourself up, dust yourself off. Arise here means be raised. Be raised. It's the exact word that Jesus uses when he raises people from the dead. It's the exact word Jesus uses when he talks about his own resurrection from death. It's the exact word that the Apostle Paul uses when he talks about our resurrection from our own graves. Arise, be raised. And we have no resurrection apart from Christ's resurrection. And Christ does not have a resurrection unless he first went to the cross and suffered and died there for us. So when Jesus comes to his disciples and draws near and touches them, he also comes near to us. He draws near to us and he touches us. He shows us his hands. He shows us the hands that still have the nail wounds that saved us. He shows us the hand of his holy scripture coming to us. He shows us the hand of his holy sacraments coming to us and, and touching us on our heads and on our hearts. And in this church, in the holy Christian church, he places these hands of holy scripture and the holy sacraments directly upon us. And he says, arise, be raised from the dead, fear no more. The words spoken by God from the, from the skies at the transfiguration are the same words that he spoke from the skies at Jesus' baptism. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So Jesus comes to us in baptism. And in holy baptism, he places his hands directly upon us and says, be raised from the dead. Have new life. Your sins are forgiven. Fear no more. And in these waters of baptism, we have a certainty. You have a certainty. You can return to time and time again as surely as that font stands there, as surely as those waters were washed over your forehead. You have salvation. You are a child of God. Because you know, I didn't do this. The Holy Spirit created saving faith in my heart. I didn't. The work of Jesus Christ did this. The Word of God did this. Apart from me, outside of me, 
My feelings don't matter about it. It's outside of me, and the work of Christ and the word of God bring it directly to me and put it in my hands, and it is mine. My faith stands securely outside of me, and God brings it securely to me. In my baptism, Jesus himself said, Arise, be raised from the dead, fear no more. You are God's beloved daughter. You are God's beloved son. As God's beloved children, we look to our Father for everything. Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, he asked a question, which of us, if a child came to us hungry asking for a fish, which of us would give that child a snake? So as beloved children of God, we know that whatever God gives us, whatever he puts in our life, whatever he puts in our path, it is not to poison us with fear. It's not to paralyze us and devour us. Those things only come from one source, the snake, Satan. No, when, as we are beloved children of God, everything that God our Father gives to us is to point us back to him, to give us his grace, Strengthen our trust, our absolute trust in his mercy, that we are his beloved children. And we receive this grace, this forgiveness of sins, and the strength for this trust as the nourishing food of the Lord's Supper, where Jesus himself comes to us and stands next to us and touches us, gives us his own body and his own blood directly to us for our forgiveness. In the words that are spoken to us after we have received this holy meal, the words, depart in peace, your sins are forgiven. Jesus says these words, depart in peace, your sins are forgiven. Jesus says to us, arise, depart in peace, be raised from the dead. Your sins are forgiven, fear no more. God our Father knows that his beloved children all too often are given to being fearful and fickle. We are confident and lighthearted one day, and then the very next day we're troubled and distracted and afraid. Our personal feelings, our personal experiences are subjective to us, and so they can also be deceptive to us. They can cast us down to the ground. We can be terrified, cast down, bent over, looking at this fallen earth, looking at this fallen flesh, or we could be singing that same old song to our, our hearts again and again. Lord, depart from me, have nothing to do with me, because I'm nothing but a sinner. But Jesus comes to us and touches us and says, no. I don't depart from sinners. I stand next to sinners. I forgive sinners. That's what I do. You are overwhelmed with your sins. You are overwhelmed with fear. Well, I am overflowing with forgiveness for those sins. I am overflowing with grace and mercy and strength for your faith. Arise. Don't be afraid. Look to no one and nothing but Christ. And at this holy altar of God, lift up your eyes to his cross and see nothing but Jesus only. Amen. Please rise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forever, world without end. 
Amen. Please remain standing for our offertory. <laughs> 